Welcome everybody to the best podcast in the world. My name is Nick Tikusek and with me there is the only, the one and only Don Rado Bosic. Hello, what's up? <laughs> Good morning everyone. So today we're going to talk about the most important topic in calisthenics ever. How do you like that topic better? That's actually my favorite topic because uh, it's my strongest body part, I would say. So I'm going to enjoy this one. And we're not talking about his massive neck. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty stupid. All right, let's start. Okay. Let's get it on. Today, we're going to talk about how you actually can develop pretty massive and very strong legs with kind of calisthenics as we drive now we dive now into this topic and it's going to be a little bit difficult because we got to be honest with this it's probably going to get pretty hard to build proper legs and also proper strength of the legs without using any kind of weight yeah so yeah like, like with calisthenics i mean we talked about ways of progressing and complexity increasing complexity is a way to do so but with legs it's still like even when you increase complexity of emotion there are very few movements that are when done body weight actually intense enough to provoke a stimulus and cause adaptation um simply because i mean when you look at the leg muscles they're so big um, that they actually need a lot of resistance in order to create that stimulus, you know? So sometimes just doing bodyweight stuff is probably not enough for that. Absolutely. I mean, you will, you, you will come to the point where you can do pistol squats and maybe a few pistol squats and you still think, okay, it's really, really hard to do pistol squats. But I, actually when I dive into that, um, back in the days, uh, I met people like there was one guy in calisthenics Wetzlar, um, uh, calisthenics group that I founded. Um, he he did like I think it was 112 pistol squats on one leg in a competition, which is it clearly shows you. All right, that guy. I mean, there is of course a reason for that. The mobility was pretty okayish, but he was also pretty strong. Um, but he didn't train for that a, a lot. So he did classic back squats mostly. And that was it, you know, and that, 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 that's actually the point that we have to point out at that point. Um, pistol squats is the exercise everybody talks about when it comes to training the calisthenics and training legs with calisthenics. And for me, it's, it's just another exercise. It's not that hard at all. You just have to push body weight. It's not really, really hard. The only hard part is, do you actually have the ankle mobility to drive your knees forward enough so that you don't fall? And of course, the, the, the balance part. Uh, but in the end, that's, that's not so hard. So you will come to the point where you learn the pistol squat and then you, you get to the point where you do more than 15 on one leg. And that, that's actually the, the, the point where you have to start thinking of, okay, how can I make that exercise harder? And um, 
usually the pistol squat is not the best exercise. I mean, you, you have really have to drive the knees very much forward usually. So that also is always a little bit more in danger of hurting your knee, just not, not because it's, it's a bad exercise or something, but because a lot of people just get into the very end of their range of motion. And in the end of the range of motion, people are not so safe and secure usually, which actually leads to that problem most of the time. So we really have to say, okay, it's, it's a good exercise, it's great, but it's not the best exercise ever to do so. Yeah, it's like, it's always been called like the holy grail of uh, building big legs and calisthenics, you know, like it's the first go-to movement if someone asks, uh, what exercise should I do if I don't have any weights at my disposal? Everyone's first answer is always like, go and do pistol squats, you know, and it's obviously not probably the best choice exactly because of the reasons you noted now. I think what is also very important to tell here, um, especially when hypertrophy and building muscles in the legs, um, another thing is everybody is about jumps. And I would say, yeah, that's kind of a good thing. But on the other hand, I wouldn't say so. I mean, explosive stuff is not the stuff that really builds legs. Because when you look at the... The, the, the key drivers for um, hypertrophy that would be mechanical tension, which is not given, or kind of time under tension, which is also kind of a driver of it, which you need for, for metabolic um, stress here. And both are not given. Exactly. You don't have any of those there. No? So, so, yeah. Jumps are not the best stuff. I mean, you can make, make legs tired and um, that's a good thing. Um, but for, for actually for building legs, if you have nothing at all, it's better to do that than nothing. I have to say that because um, especially when um, the, um, the first lockdown came up, we had some clients who of course had no equipment at all and i had to make them do that stuff because of course we train legs because for, for me there's there, there would never come up a reason where i don't train legs because that's for me that's a human thing to be able to move my body on my legs you know <laughs> that's that's unbelievable important to me but um that that's also coming from the point um i'm a little bit biased I'm from the army and for me it was always important to have strong legs because you just have to walk a lot and carry comrades and all that stuff so um that was always for me a little bit more into that direction so um, a lot of calisthenics people are a little bit more into this yeah but I want to do all the levers and all that stuff yeah probably you don't train that much legs then of course yeah I do get the idea I would never think that way not at all. I mean, yeah, we have we have a podcast episode on that, Absolutely. which is long enough with plenty of information and Absolutely. If there are any any yeah misconceptions or thoughts about it, go check it out. 
Yes, absolutely. Um, to go back into um, the, the, the topic, how to build actually big lags, I would say we got to start with what we already mentioned a little bit. What are the main things that we actually need? And this is on the one hand, we need definitely mechanical stress, which should be something pretty heavy, probably. And for that, we, we really have to say, if a pistol squad is hard to you, that's mechanical stress to your body right now. But you will adapt to that and you will get stronger over time. And then will come the time where you definitely need more than that. And um, of course, another key driver, and I would say that's something that's really, really important for, for, from my point of view, because another, if you remember, how skinny your legs have been before we started working with each other and how your legs developed after, I don't know, a year or something. That was crazy. Just because you had much more volume on the legs. And I would say, from, from just that, that's my personal view on that. To build proper legs, you need a good amount of volume. That's true, yeah. Uh, before we started working, I mean, I was training legs relatively heavy um, in relation to my one rep max, but just like it was based off of maybe one top, top two exercises, you know, not more than that. And like, it was really a shock for me uh, in a way when I like initially got into coaching and like, like I see, okay, three or four exercises in a day for the legs or uh, full-blown leg day is something that I wasn't quite used to. Like in a matter of a few months, my, my legs have just exploded because of that. And just like, this is like, um, I mean, it's it's an anecdotal experience, of course, but for me, it has worked. And volume is, of course, uh, one of the key drivers for for hypertrophy, which, which is really important for us now. And it, of course, it's, it's an anecdotal note, but... I've got to say, I saw this with, with so many people. Yeah. Yeah. When you up the volume up to like three to four exercises per day by at least three sets per exercise, then usually people are having like, let's say 12 sets up to 16 or something per, for the legs on that given day and they usually explode and when you do that twice a week you're usually pretty good to go at that point that that's straightforward to say so but it works very well and from there on you will see start off with 12 sets and see where it takes you but um what is also pretty important is to say when we build up legs we of course have to think of what kind what, what parts of the legs do, you, do we actually need to develop? And this is where exercise selection gets very important at that point. And um, of course, also the execution of the exercises, which is something that we always teach our clients pretty much into detail because um, even a, a lunge can be done in different variations so that you just target different muscles in there. And um, that's pretty pretty important to say in the in the um, beginning too, because um, when I say yeah, do some 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 squats, do some lunges, and maybe some some very isolated exercises like sissy squats, then you're good to go. Yes, you're good to go, but on the same side, it could be that you have to 
do a different approach to the lunges, a different approach to the, the squats to really target the right muscle here. And that's, that's very important to say. I, I can't really say this is the way how you do it because that's very individual how that actually works for you the best. And this is crucial at that point that you really know what to do and how to do what you are doing. Exactly. So, so execution and how you position yourself within an exercise can just change and shift the focus from being primarily dominant in one muscle group to another one. Yeah. Uh, and this is something that we can definitely like discuss throughout like the muscles group, muscle groups that we will go through now. Yeah, absolutely. So for, for the beginning, I would always say, let's say we're going to start off with the exercises that, that are a little bit more into the direction of calisthenics. And later on, we're going to add on some stuff which might not be so much calisthenics-like, but stuff like deadlifts should be in a, in a good proper leg program. It should be in there. I know that's absolutely not uh, calisthenics, but it makes absolutely sense to do so. So my main exercises that I would recommend at least doing would be squats and Nordic curls. For me, the Nordic curl is definitely like, I don't know, let's say the front lever or planche of the lower body. It's a pretty hard exercise for most people. Um, and of course you can do stuff like that also weighted later on. Uh, take a take a 5 kg plate take a 10 kg plate i've seen people doing it one legged there was one i think it was an italian crazy guy that i saw somewhere on instagram i think dennis showed me that one <laughs> i was like fuck? Uh, yeah i think exactly i think i saw the, the same guy i think he was also doing it like on a deficit yeah, yeah. so actually one leg deficit nordic cross like what the hell Ah, that's, and I think he even did it weighted one leg deficit. That, that was really like the most crazy shit I've seen on an Nordic curl so far. <laughs> props, props to that guy. If you're listening to that, please reach out to me. I would, I would love to have you on the show. <laughs> Let's talk about Nordic curls. Yeah. <laughs> um, so to me, that, that would be the, the, the two, let's call it the main lifts that I would do based mm -hmm. on doing mostly calisthenics. Um, so later um, on, please. Yeah, I'm sorry, for the back squat, would you do it loaded or how would you do it? Of course, back squats loaded, not, not, a, not an air squat. Not, not air squats, no. back squats, so yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. I would always always go for for that um as you know the, the thing here that we have to to keep in mind um when it comes to the main lift that's usually a bilateral movement you know not not a unilateral um because with two legs you can move more weight usually and this is why I always use it as a main lift or, a, or would use it as a main lift because we can just load up more mechanical tension, more intensity overall into that. I mean, show me a guy who can do a 100 kg pistol squat. Not a lot of people can do that, but a lot of people can do actually 200 kg squats 
which is not because they are so weak, they can't do it on one leg, but um, the, the chance for having a technical error on one leg is so much higher and the risk of getting injured is so much higher. This is why I would always go for bilateral stuff. And the other hand is, of course, you have to load it somehow. And when, when you do a pistol squat into depth, you usually bend the spine. You have a spine flexion here. And I wouldn't go very intensive with a spine flexion, which is something people like to discuss. But in the end, I would just, if I can avoid it, just avoid it. I mean, why should I? If I can keep a stable spine, I just do it. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, I mean, the best what it's like a really efficient position to load the squat pattern in. And it's relatively safe and it's relatively straightforward to progress with. Mm. It's really hard with the pistol squat to kind of have these 2.5 kilogram, for example, increments or even five kilogram increments, you know, unless you do it with a dumbbell, for example, but then you're also limited in the size of the dumbbell, you know, and later on, once you get really strong, you're like, there are bigger jumps in dumbbells. So um, the basket is probably the best like choice that you can have as the main lift, just as you noted. Absolutely. So, um, and for me, it doesn't matter if you're doing a, a high bar or low bar, it really depends on um, how you actually are built. It depends on your, uh, on, on your biomechanics. Um, of course, you probably, as most of the people are able to move more weight on the low bar, but it doesn't have to be like that. I have seen so many people who are doing heavy back squats in the high bar position. I've seen so many people who do the low bar position. I don't care at all. Um, it really changes some stuff here. So you can say low bar um, probably will lead to more yeah, like, like glute activation. But on the other hand, when you look at low bar positioning of the hip, a lot of people don't go that low. Yeah. If, when you look into the, the um, signs that we have right now, the glutes are working very much in the very bottom position of a squat. So the lower you go, the more uh, uh, glutes you have incorporated into it. And this is actually the reason why this is a little bit difficult to say, yes, with the lower squat, you have more glute activation and furthermore, more growth of the glutes. I would always recommend to just do both and you're on the safe side at that point. Yeah, I, th I think the thing with that is like, um, high bar usually tends to be an easier variation for people to reach the full um, acid grasp position and to go really all the way down. And because of that, it's kind of viewed as a quad builder, quote unquote, simply because of that extra range of motion that you get. Uh, and the low bar tends to be, I, I wouldn't say limiting, but people kind of struggle a bit more with it to reach full depth. Mm -hmm. And because of that, it's mostly viewed as like, a glute builder and not so much um, as a quad builder but uh, like i would say like they're almost equally the same you know when it comes to building quads 
Uh, it's not like the knee flexion angle is uh, significantly different than either of these. Yeah. Look in the pattern, so. Absolutely. And this is actually the thing here. Um, but on the other hand, we have to say the lower you go, the better you um, actually also bring in the adductors. And that's a pretty interesting thing because your legs will look a lot better when you have good adductors. Because that's, that's the inside of the legs, you know? And um, of course, I'm, I'm the guy who always tries to find shorts, which let me show off my quads very good. <laughs> I, li I like these shorts. <laughs> but on the other hand, um, uh, adductors are also very, very important here to build up a big, big lag point and um on the other hand later on we're going to also talk about what, what we also need for that is the the hamstrings having good hamstrings is of course also very important and the the difficult part here is to say that most of the exercises that we are doing on the legs are not like this is a complete isolation exercise. So everybody is like, yeah, do the high bar squat, do the front squat, and you build up more quads. You tend to go a little bit more with the quads here, but it's not like you're not building quads with a with a um, low bar, as you already said. It's pretty much the same. Again, depending on how you execute the exercise in the end. When you're doing a good morning and bringing once you reached 90 degree or something and bringing your, your, your knees back and doing everything out of your back to get everything up and using hips mostly, then you're of course not using the quads that much. But that can happen to you in the high bar squat too if your technique is not that good. And that's the, the big point that we already pointed out in the beginning. Most of that stuff is pretty much about how you actually execute the exercise that you're doing. And of course, that depends a little bit on the biomechanics that you have, but also a lot on the execution that you have. Yeah. Um, to kind of piggyback on the adductor topic, um, they work immensely in the squat. Like people, I think people don't realize how important the adductors are especially just as you said, like the closer you get to the bottom position, the more they actually are active. And also like with that execution, how you do the squat, I found out for myself, like I was in the past always trying to push the knees out and trying to go in that fashion down into the squat. And I wasn't really feeling it in the adductors. And when I did a slight switch in execution and just tried to either have my knees track the path of the toes or maybe even intentionally slightly drive them inside, especially as I come closer to the bottom, that has really helped me kind of feel the adductors and feel the pull of the adductors, which are, you know, active in the bottom and actually pull me in the bottom position and I'm nice and safe there. And then on the way up, you can definitely use the freedom to then again, drive the knees out and get them in track with the toes. Um, so yeah, like, pulling the knees inside of it, having this adduction, of course, which is the function of the adductors, is something that you can use on the squat to maybe target them more if you feel like, okay, my adductors are lacking and I should build them up more. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And this is not about bringing the knees in too much. No, 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 of course you don't like to. Just a little bit. And we always always have that that discussion with clients in the beginning because it's super interesting to talk to them about that stuff. Yeah, but my knees, they shouldn't come in. And I say, yes, they shouldn't come in till a certain degree. It will happen that they move a bit. It will happen because the adductors are working and that's a good sign because the adductor magnus is the one that brings you out of the fucking hole down there. That's the one that moves you out there because it helps you using the hips as a, as a, as an extender, you know, usually that that's work of the glutes, but they get the help of the magnus and that's what we need here. So, because um, the, the, the quads are in such, such a um, stretched position, they will not be super um, um, effective at that point. So every, everything helps you here. So that, that's very important to keep in mind that, that that's why I wanted to go with that, um, that all the muscles are working in stuff like a squat and stuff like that. It's not like also the hemis are working. It's not like they're not working. They are working. Um, and that's super important to, to keep in mind when it comes to that stuff, especially when it comes to exercise selection and maybe you wonder why you're tired and, and your leg curls when you just did squats. But the squats are just for quads. Nine. That's not true. No, 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 no. <laughs> so um, to, go, to go into that, um, we always have to... to um, think of some mechanical stress which is coming with stuff like the the squats um, and of course the nordic curls but nordic curls are a little bit different to see as in the nordic curls that's a pretty isolated exercise i would say it's not so much quads it's very less of this of, of the quads working so this is a bit of difference to um, actually the deadlift, which involves the quads a little bit more yeah. into the exercise, um, as the quads are doing knee flexion um, or extending. Uh, they 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 do extend your knee, and um, while doing a a Nordic curl, you're usually just extending the knee while you're in a negative. Uh, motion and this is where they don't have to do a lot because gravity is forcing you to come down and what is happening most of the time is is the, is the hamstrings working pulling you backwards and doing the flexion of the of the knee which is good at that point and um this is actually why the quads are not really working in in a nordic curl not really like unless you kind of aggressively push the knees against the floor and almost like do this uh, knee flexion motion some parts of the quad might work slightly but it's not like anything dominant it's just like almost passively there and also people tend to yeah but i also feel it so much in my glutes also the glutes are not really working in there so they are working as a stabilizer to keep um the, the the hip extended 
but not really more. It's just more for stabilizing isometric work. So the main work is really done with the hamstrings. So that's why I always say that the, the, the Nordic curl is, is a massive hamstring builder because you're just having such a big angle. And this is why you always have to think of this as something like a, a little bit like a lever or something as the lever that is working there is harder, the, the stronger or the longer, the longer, I'm sorry, the longer you are. So um, when you when you reach out with the hands up there and maybe have a little small plate on your hands here, uh, going down, it's, it's massively going down, going to be harder because you just made the lever longer. Got me? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the Nordic curl is incredible. Like I, I honestly can't think of an exercise which has such such a strong eccentric component and you can almost use it as a mechanical advantage to actually use a longer lever as you come down and have this extreme eccentric phase which is gonna be extremely productive for building muscle and then on the way up you can kind of reduce the lever a bit and have the concentric phase if needed but if you ask me like for the start for most people it's usually enough to just have this concentric component in there and they're still going to have the benefit from the nordic curl absolutely so um to me those two exercises are the most calisthenics-ish <laughs> stuff that, that you can actually do to grow your legs very well but now we have to bring in some more stuff because, um, of course, now we have to also talk about um, what we need as the ingredients. Ingredients? Ingredients? Is that the right word? Yeah, that's it. Uh, ingredients, yeah. Ingredients. Because we need some more stuff for some metabolic stress. And um, this is getting super interesting because at that point, we go a little bit more into isolation exercises and try to hit certain muscles in a very, we, we try to isolate them as much as possible. And here comes in some stuff that is, this is actually the position where I put, would put a pistol squat in. But even here, I would more go for like, like lunge stuff, certain, lunge variations like let's say a split squat um maybe walking lunges or even bulgarian split squats a little bit more knees traveling forward or keeping the knee a little bit more um over over the foot it, it depends what what you actually want to want to target here and this is the stuff where we have to see, okay, what, what is best for you? What works best for you? Um, because some people just can't really go with very much knee traveling forward um, on, on all the split squat exercises or, or lunch exercises. So if, if you can't do it without your knee hurting, yeah, well, then just don't do it. You will still hit the quads, you know? That's a very important one. Yeah, exactly. Um, what I would also say is we can still go pretty heavy on split squats, also on Bulgarian split squats. 
as you're as an expert about that may have some some thoughts about it yeah like um if i were in a situation where i don't have any equipment like the first exercise my go-to movement would be the bulgarian split squat uh and if that's not intense enough then you can go up on a deficit and actually have more range of motion by doing so and if that's not intense enough then you can increase like the time under tension by doing something like three seconds down uh, one second pause three seconds up and repeat you know and like doing 12 reps like that just body weight is probably going to be like more intense than anything else and it's also a nice um metabolic stress um way to introduce hypertrophy now yeah and of yeah. course doing that weighted like that's yeah that's of course the the ideal uh when it comes to the bulgarian i found for myself that like loading it with dumbbells it's probably the the most efficient way to do so because the barbell tends to be like an issue to balance and uh that just gets into into the way of actually feeling the exercise itself and just executing the movement properly um and with dumbbells you do have enough room and enough space to progress and of course a big plus with that is you're not loading the spine and thus you're not creating this extra fatigue which might hinder you in other movements so that's like the perfect the perfect setting for uh, a nice metabolic stress stimulus absolutely now you mentioned something that we definitely have to bring in here Fatigue management when it comes to training legs is absolutely crucial for, for the legs and for the rest of your training. As the more you load, you, the more you incorporate exercises that load up the spine, the better and the better is it is. Because that's the, the exercises where your core have to work the most which I would always recommend because a strong core is always a very healthy thing. On the other hand, this is where the most risk for injury is actually because your core can get so tired and then your whole system gets so tired because your central nervous system always wants to protect your spine. And, um, When, when, when everything gets too tired, the whole central nervous system gets so tired that you don't have so much energy or force output in your exercises, which will lead in the end to less stimulus on the legs. And of course, less stimulus on all the other exercises because the body wants to protect himself and wants to protect the spine. So it doesn't allow you to use more weights because he needs to recover from what you already did to, to, to him. So we always have to keep that in balance. I hope I explained that in a way that people may understand it. Um, we, we always have to keep training load on the spine in a way that you definitely give a stimulus to the core and of course to the legs. And on the other hand, it's really getting um, critical that we actually choose exercises, especially in the assistance exercises and accessory work that are forcing the legs, but not forcing the spine too much. 
especially for those who are not in touch with any machines and stuff like that. I would usually recommend to have stuff like classic squats and deadlifts before and later on maybe using some machines if you really have the goal of building thick legs. But for most people who are training calisthenics, it's on the one hand a very bad thing. We, I, don't, I don't do machines. But uh, on, the, on the other hand, some, some people just don't have access to machines and have to maybe train in the home gym or in a very functional gym, maybe a CrossFit box or something like that. Um, in, in our own gym here in uh, Vienna that we are building up right now, um, we are doing a calisthenics gym right here. <laughs> um, we also don't have any machines. We do all the stuff with dumbbells, um, uh, barbells, bodyweight exercises and all that stuff. So um, also when it comes to, to programming here, um, choosing the right exercises is extremely crucial, not loading up the spine that much. And for that, we need some exercises that are actually not doing that at all. And for this, I could always recommend some unilateral stuff like you already mentioned and of course stuff like cc squats this stuff you know and of course i would love to do some more leg extensions which is just the quads but it's just not done without a machine you just can't so you have to bring in um, some more stuff like cc squats or maybe even um the i think you mentioned that in the talk before what was that exercise that we were talking about the heel elevated uh front squats goblet squats mm -hmm. you think of that huh yeah i mean exactly like what you want to do with the sissy squat or with the heel elevated um squatting is you want to almost like replicate the motion you have on the leg extension machine which is exclusively almost having this knee flexion knee extension uh, which is the function of the of the quad muscle and going into the extreme with that uh the sissy squat kind of does that wonderfully because it's almost like the same specific angle when you look at it and then uh with the heel elevated squat what the good thing about that is is because you are so upright you don't really pose so much stress on the back muscles and you don't create so much fatigue um, and thus you can load it both in the front squat fashion, goblet squat fashion, or maybe even the back squat fashion. And because you have this heel elevation, you will go into extreme knee flexion, causing the knees to travel forward a lot. And you will work a lot more through the quads with that. And you will find that also you can't load the movement as much as you usually can. Like the heel elevated squat, back squat will be like, 100 kilo less than the normal backs what you do you know simply because of the sheer level that you have and the muscles being in such a disadvantageous position so that's together with the upright posture it's probably going to be uh nothing all too intense when it comes to fatigue in the back so it's like a perfect solution for it you don't have to worry about fatigue management all too much then and also the the reverse uh curl as an example oh yeah oh yeah so just going on the knees, like having the knees and, and, and the foot on the floor and just leaning backwards while keeping the hips stable and like in an extended position and then leaning backwards and pulling yourself forward with the quads would be another very good solution for that um, to really 
bring some stress on the quads. And another thing that we can also have um, a little thought on would be how do we actually um, do some stuff for, for the hamstrings? Yeah, so we, we already mentioned uh, the Nordic curl, which is which would be like the first exercise and the main movement for the hammies. Um, after that, I would definitely kind of go into the opposite direction where you actually have uh, the ankles moving and the upper part of the body stationary, which is so the complete opposite to what you have in the Nordic and thus you will target uh, the completely opposite part of the muscle groups and do something like a leg curl, for example. Yeah. And the cool stuff about the leg curl is you can do it easily on rings and it's like almost the same motion you have on a machine, you know, um, you can def definitely put yourself in a really good stretch position and you can definitely contract a lot. Um, the thing with that one is like a little cue that you want to use is always have the hips up in the air, don't have them touch the floor. And as you flex the knee, you definitely want to keep extending the hip. So the hip should go up as you do the leg curl. And um, by doing so, you will have a, a wonderful um, hammy builder exercise. And you can always progress in complexity with that once you get strong enough. On both legs, you can do something like a single leg leg curl, which is like extremely intense when done body with just, yeah. Absolutely. So that's that's some stuff that we that we definitely have to bring in here. And now we have to talk about one last topic when it comes to the legs, maybe maybe a bigger one because we have to talk about glutes and of course again maybe the adductors because we talked about the importance of the adductors um, for the squatting but also we have to talk about how do we actually can train them when we are using mostly free exercises and, and, and calisthenics stuff and the same comes for the glutes um should we should we start off with the glutes or with the adductors as you like bring it on okay i like i like uh, the adductor topic quite a lot when it comes to body weight exercises like what's interesting is uh the usual mobility work is in my my view a really nice way to introduce really like adductor specific work because it puts the adductor in a really stretched out position and the stretch is an important facet in the muscle building realm. And it also like is a really intense position for the adductors to hold, even though we might not have like the concentric component in some exercises, just having this isometric hold um, is sometimes enough for, for us to pose a stimulus. So for example, like having pancake work or having middle split work, is a nice way to introduce the adductors mm -hmm. uh, because you're you're being in a stretch you are holding the whole holding it in an isometric fashion and uh, that's enough actually uh, intensity for us to 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 cause a stimulus uh, something like the weighted tailor's pose where you lean against the wall have the knees on the outside almost in like a butterfly pose and you actually do the contraction of the adductors and bring the knees closer to each other it's almost like the specific motion you have on an adductor machine in a gym you know so you have this nice concentric component with that and uh, another exercise that i quite like is just almost going in a side plank and having one leg up on the bench and pulling yourself down and holding that alignment that's a nice isometric way or you can do that concentrically up and down contracting the adductor and you train it in a really really specific way just by body weight 
Yeah. Yeah. Another one of my favorite ones would be the Cossack squad. Oh yeah, definitely. I love that. <laughs> I think all, all of, of, of our clients have been through the phase where I just wrote down Cossack squads. Yeah, like any, like almost any progression towards the middle split or the pancake, like the Cossack squad, the horse stand squad, the straddle good mornings, like everything will be adductor intense and you definitely tackle them once you implement that. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Can you, can you now bring up the most important topic of the day? Tell us something about how to build a big booty. Peach, Peach Boys, Peach Boys are in the house. <laughs> uh, with the glutes, uh, it's it's really tricky sometimes. Like we talked about the squat being uh, very glute intense, and that's definitely true. And for most people, like just loading the squats, they will automatically realize, okay, I do have an effect on the glutes just by doing so, and you will definitely see a change. Uh, but with the glutes, you definitely want to also introduce some hip extension. Uh, I mean, like the ideal setting would be doing something like a, de a deadlift, you know, but in cases where you don't have the opportunity to do so, like doing hip thrusts or glute bridges on the floor um, is another way to uh, hit them. It's just that there's usually not enough intensity which the glutes need. Uh, by doing it on both legs and just body weight. So I would always go for single leg variations. And in most cases, if done properly with proper pauses at the top, like a single leg hip thrust um, together with some isometrics, it's like a really, really intense motion. And uh, you definitely target the glutes by doing so. And you can also add in some more abductors by thinking of driving your foot out to the outer edge of it and almost like driving the knees more to the outside, especially as you extend. And then you always have like the full abductor muscle group uh, tackled in one motion. Yeah, because when we look at glutes, we also um, have to think of what, what is actually the most important part. And this is one time the, the, the hip extension, which is mostly done with the glute maximus. And then there's um, also this, this maybe more like the external rotators part it's it's not mainly that but um for most it's a little bit better to understand driving the knees outwards yeah is actually what what really builds up the glute mid um and when we when we incorporate some stuff for both which is done with squats and deadlifts most of the time. And if you wouldn't really want to incorporate some more stuff, you can also do some sumo deadlifts, which I would always recommend, um, especially when it comes to, to the booty building. <laughs> um, I, would, I would actually, there, for, for the booty, I would recommend like five exercises. I would always say go for some squats, go for 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 a, an RDL, um, go for a sumo sumo deadlift, which brings in the glute mate a little bit more. The squat brings both into the, that. Um, the RDL brings in the the um, glute max more, and then there comes in some stuff that is 
highly underrated. And um, this is actually, you mentioned it before. It's the unilateral stuff that you're doing um, with stuff like step ups, Bulgarian split squads and all that stuff. I mean, everybody who has done a proper set of Bulgarian split squads or step ups has had massive pain in pain in the ass <laughs> the other day. <laughs> I feel that I did them two days ago and my ass is fried, like completely fried. It's super duper crazy how much that actually forces your glutes to work when you when you when you do unilateral stuff, especially when it comes to to um, uh, stuff where you mainly work with one leg. Also with the pistol squats, when you when you've done several sets of pistol squats, you also feel the glutes very very much. So, of course. We have like classic lunges, but that's kind of a little bit bilateral, a little bit more than a Bulgarian split squat and maybe a step up or a pistol squat because you're still using the other leg a little bit more. But once you really reach the point where you are using mostly one leg, you're going to feel it so hard. It's really, really on that point. And the super interesting stuff, um, there was a actually a study which came out, I think it must have been February in um, 2020, which checked um, the muscle activity on several exercises and the step up beated every single other exercise on that thing, even more activity than the hip thrust. And that's super interesting because everybody always thought you got to do hip thrusts to build up a big leg, a big back, a big booty. I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry. I haven't had breakfast yet. I'm getting drained. But um, um, so everybody's always like, yeah, we, we got to do some hip thrusts to really have the, the glutes working in, in their function of extending the hip. But it was actually more muscle activation on the step up. Of course, that doesn't mean the hip yeah. thrust and exercise to build up a, a booty. It's still the number one. Because if you look at it from a biomechanical view, it's the only muscle that works at that time, pretty much. So, of course, still the hip thrust is a glute builder. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I think we really managed to bring up a lot of stuff in here. Um, how would your perfect leg day look like? Yeah, I would obviously start off with the main work we mentioned, um, having back squats and Nordic curls in there. Uh, then I would maybe introduce some unilateral work for the quads. Uh, let's say Bulgarian split squats. And I would couple that together with um, some leg curls. And uh, the reason being is uh, I would have unilateral work before higher rep work for the quads just because you don't want the fatigue to be too interfering with single leg work you want to maintain 
um, quote unquote stability and just be able to execute the motion. So we have back squats, Nordic curls, Bulgarian split squats, leg curls. Uh, then I would try and go for a higher repetition um, knee extension motion, something like the sissy squat or let's say um, the goblet squat with heel elevation. And uh, later on, I would do some adductor work just so we kind of tackle that and couple that with some um, hip extension motion, like the hip thrust. And um, that's pretty much it. I think like these five or six exercises are probably more than enough for you to have a really good leg day if you go intensely with each set and yeah. with the intention in it. That's good. So how would, would a, a day look for you if you had the, the, the chance of doing some more not so calisthenic stuff, uh, in, including oh. you are allowed to do deadlifts. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Yeah, <laughs> I would. Uh, yeah, depending on what I want to focus on. So I would either have a squatting focus day or a deadlifting focus day. But let's say we have a deadlifting focus day. Um, I would start off with some sumo deadlifts as the first exercise. Um, and not, not pair that with anything, just straight sets of that. After that, some uh, high bar back squats because uh, my posterior chain will probably be already uh, quote unquote fried from the sumo deadlifts. And I want to have a bit more focus on the quads and just not have so much fatigue in the posterior chain. Um, after that, I would again do some heavy Bulgarian split squats and I would couple that together with some um, unilateral um, hinging work. So something like a single leg RDL, uh, just so also that motion is tackled. And then after that, uh, bang out some leg extensions and leg curls, and that's probably more than enough. If I have space for it, then I would maybe put in some leg presses or hack squats directly after back squats, just so I kind of get more volume in, in that pattern. But with these six exercises, I think that uh, most of the time, you're definitely good to go. I like that. I like that. How, how about you? Would, you? would you do anything differently? I would pretty much go for that. And I would now add on a second day. Yeah. Your first day, maybe like day maybe of the week and bring in the second day, which um, would start off with maybe some low bar squats, bringing in some RDLs later on. And then bringing in some stuff that might work. Um, also some, some, yeah, of course, some unilateral work because I always like, like to do unilateral work for the hip stability and, of course, a little bit more for some um, kind of isolation. So it depends a little bit. But we, we already did the Bulgarian split squats, so I would maybe bring up some step-up work at that point. Yeah. Um, Doing that in a super set with maybe banded um, Nordic curves. So it's just, just having it a little bit more higher rep, like in a 10 to 12 um, rep range um, with bands so that we um, have the combined power of, of the RDLs plus the Nordic curves on that given day that will completely fry your um, hamstrings for that day. So you don't need to do anything else on that um, so that we can easily um, add on in the end, maybe some stuff 
um, more for the adductors, which I would um, say without any machines, I would actually maybe go for some either Cossack squats or um, very wide sumo squats. And um, this is also good because at that point we also bring in the glute mate a little bit more and um, with the sumo squat stance, so probably go for that. And in the end, maybe something that either brings in more glute work or more quad work. So it could be a single leg um, hip thrust or um, a hip thrust or um, maybe some CC squats as well, something, something like that. So that, that would be something we have like, I don't know, six exercises for that given day, which is exactly. long enough, hard enough, and that gives enough stimulus from all the different angles. And of course, um, we got to switch up some different um, uh, rep ranges for this, um, which is something where, where, where I would say it depends on, on, on the periodization that you are in right now, how much you actually are doing, how intense that stuff should be. So I can't really say this is the best one to build up the muscle because it depends a little bit on where you are right now. Um, usually I would say with an RPE eight, you're usually good to go. Um, and, um, uh, the rep ranges, it should be somewhere in between six and, 20, depending on the exercise. So I would start off with uh, squats and deadlifts, maybe more in the lower range. And later on, the more uh, isolated the stuff gets, the more uh, I would I would bring in higher reps. So that, that, that would be my um, thing. And this is actually also the thing how I'm mostly doing it with our clients. So here's the secret for the big legs of the people that we are working work with. We just... Do smart things. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> All right. Um, I think that's that's mostly the stuff right here. So I hope you guys liked this episode. If you did so, please do us the favor and share it on your social media um, and uh, tag us. That would be amazing if you could tag us on that so we can repost it and all that stuff so everybody can share the good message about it a little bit more. And um, if you have any more further questions, just please feel free to shoot us a message on Strength and Skills podcast on Instagram. Um, this, is, this would be amazing and, uh, at that point. Um, usually I always make some advertisement here. Uh, if you need some more muscles on your legs, you're always free to go for our coaching. <laughs> Strength and skills um, is the thing on uh, Instagram. And if you want to shoot us um, uh, a, a message there, then you're very, very welcome. If you just want to do it the way that we usually recommend, just go to bar minus bell coaching dot de slash links then you go to um, our calendar and just choose your appointment and have a little call with us and then we're going to see how how we can actually make your legs grow all right advertisement is at the end thank you so much for listening hope you guys enjoyed it and um have have some good pump in your legs today goodbye <laughs>